0: Welcome back to Second Look. We're excited to have our World Missions Pastor, Dan Burns, and missionary and former 2PC Organist, Roger Lowther, on the show today. Roger and his wife, Abby, have served in Tokyo, Japan, since 2005. Listen in as Dan and Roger discuss faith, life, art, and God through the eyes of the Japanese people. Check out the show notes at the end of the episode to keep up with Roger, his family, and his work in Japan.
1: I'm Dan Burns, the World Missions Pastor at Second Prez, and I'm so glad to have Roger Lowther with us here this morning. Uh, Roger has uh, been a missionary for over 15 years in Tokyo, but that's not how it started. You started as an organist here almost 20 years ago. I how sure did that happen? I
0: did. Boy, it's great to be back here. Um, I came in 1998, uh, just out of college, just a young kid. And, boy, I, d- I didn't know what I was what I was doing, but everyone was so kind to me. It was really an amazing experience. And so I was here for four years and went on a short-term trip with my wife to Japan, and it changed our life. How did you meet your wife? We met in the choir. Actually, we were both working here at Second Prez. I was the organist, and she was the pianist. And actually, funny story about that, she had my job. They hired her to be this kind of person to fill in the role while they were looking for an organist. And then when I came, I kind of took her job. And so I, we joked that I just felt so bad I had to just marry her. <laughs> but <laughs> And she still said yes. And apparently so. <laughs> she still said yes. How long and, have you been married uh, now? We've been married for 21 years now. Congratulations. Thank you, yeah.
1: So uh, you came here as musicians, both employed, but then you ended up in Tokyo. D- tell me some of how that journey happened.
0: Right. So we were both first in the crossroads, um, which is really where we got to know each other. We went on a missions trip together to Argentina with a, a group of people. and um, So if you're a single person and you're looking for a spouse, you ought to go on a mission trip. Is that what I heard you say? Well, it's, it's a good idea. Hey, yeah. I... Pushing for missions and short-term trips, definitely. I think it's a good idea. Just checking. I interrupted. Go ahead, please. <laughs> no. So um, that was a really good experience. Uh, we weren't even dating at that time. But when I saw Abby in a foreign country and how she interacted with people, I I really fell in love with her. And so um, we got married. And then our first trip together as a married couple was to Japan.
1: So tell me. Last I checked, Argentina and Japan are not the same. They're not even very close. So how did you go to Argentina and then get interested in Japan?
0: Well, the trip to Japan was just the two of us. My wife had gone to Japan between high school and college. She took a gap year and was teaching at a missionary kid's school there. And she, once I had married her, I really wanted to know about this place that she kept talking about. She's had all these great experiences in Japan. And so we went together to kind of have, share, have a new experience there, giving concerts, uh, helping from all the way up to formal concerts in churches and halls to very informal events with moms and kids and things like that. And it was an amazing experience, but it didn't end there unbeknownst to us the missionary team there said we have been praying for someone to join our team as an artist and we would love it for the be the two of you
1: Wow so as you went to Japan you they were inviting you to come practice music to I mean to perform to lead in music but this Japanese language question so how do you how did you balance having to learn a language with having to immediately get involved in ministry
0: well, in the beginning of course we had translators, we had friends and so that was greatly helpful. Um but yeah, we didn't have a chance to really study the language till we moved there as career missionaries and that um we spent a year in language school and then kind of been growing ever since. And I'd say I still am growing in the language.
1: Yeah, so for people whose primary and exclusive language is English. How would you describe the process of learning Japanese? It's gonna take your whole life. You learned it in a couple of years. You figured it all out. How would you
0: describe that? Well, I'd say the biggest surprise to me was that it—you can't just think in English and then translate into Japanese. It, it doesn't work. You end up sounding very strange indeed. Uh, You—it took me oh, I don't know, six, seven years before I could actually start thinking in Japanese and then saying things more naturally uh, before that point it's just um, it, the whole point of communication is they say things in Japanese that you don't say in English and we say things in English you don't say in Japanese and so to try what, to what, what's an example them, of something that they you know that they say in Japanese that would never say in English <laughs> in the- well for example if you were to sneeze and I say oh bless you you know God bless you <laughs> um, if you say they'd be like um, excuse me? <laughs> like, well, what are you talking about? Uh, that you don't say anything when someone sneezes hmm. in Japan. Hmm. Uh, that's just one example. I don't know what another is. When you uh, walk in a door uh, in someone's home, you say, you know, "tadaima," um, which is basically I'm here. Huh. But huh. usually... I don't know. We have the whole thing, like, honey, I'm home. (laughs) Sometimes you may say in English, but it's a little bit different. Like, you wouldn't translate, honey, I'm home. Right. Um, Because literally, to the um, now, here, now, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't really translate. Yeah.
1: When people think about missions, I think a lot Mm. of people imagine you're going to go to Japan, learn the languages, and go knock on doors and tell people uh, who Jesus is and how they could follow him. Uh, But as you have lived there a number of years and developed a philosophy of ministry. What you're after is how to see God in the arts and how to use that as an entree into discussing spiritual things. Tell me how that developed and what exactly does that mean for you?
0: Yeah, that's a good question because one of my images of missionaries was standing on a street corner and thumping that Bible. You need to believe in Jesus. And, um, and we do, and it's an important message, but there's, a, there's nuances to how we can communicate that message. And um, at first I thought I had to share my testimony in concerts, and that was the only way I could really get the message across. And I still do that, uh, but there's a whole much more depth to it. And uh, it's been a journey to figure out what that is, but I really, really enjoy seeing how God is sharing his gospel, how he's sharing himself to the Japanese people through their art and through their culture.
1: I've, I know you've published a number of books. I've read The Broken Leaf and was very touched by it. I know uh, that the general idea is to take expressions of Japanese art, of traditional Japanese art, and reveal the gospel in that. Could you tell us a little bit about that book and what led you to write that, and what touched your heart and inspired you? Sure,
0: yeah. That book was actually a compilation of a number of years of work, of conversations, really, over the years. We host these events called Art Life Faith, where an artist comes and shares about their art what it has to do with their life and and why what does it have to do with the Bible and the Christian faith and the reason that last element is so important uh, for for this conversation here is because it really has helped us understand what the church looks like what the gospel looks like what God looks like through the eyes of Japanese people through the art and culture Because there's this really strong image that Christianity is a Western religion. It's this kind of imported thing. Um, The whole idea that God was working in Japan long before the first missionary ever got there is unheard of to most Japanese Christians. And so this was a way to kind of develop those conversations and the broken leaf is a way that we've kind of written down some of what we've learned over the years. For example, one is about the art of um, pottery repair. Like Kinski. Yes. Uh, Another would be the art of uh, the incense ceremony. Like, how can we see the gospel through the incense ceremony?
1: Give us a little short description of that broken pottery and then the gold that
0: unites it, because that
1: was very fascinating
0: when I read that. Yeah, I think that's probably the most famous one. Uh, It's so interesting that it wasn't Christians who made this artwork, and yet it looks so Christian to to us who are Christians. Just the idea that when something breaks— um the the tendency of of us in this world is to just throw it out and get a new one you know yeah and yet when this world broke in sin god did not just throw us out he did not just forsake us but he has rebuilt us he's redeemed us and made us more beautiful than we were before so this art of uh Kinski is taking a broken pottery and putting it back together and highlighting the cracks with gold. Hmm. Which is interesting because in some cases, the gold is more valuable than the pot itself. Hmm. And it certainly doesn't hide the cracks. You know, they, It's not like they're trying to cover up the cracks, but it highlights the cracks and makes them, and it's almost the glory of that broken pot. And so the fact that our redeemed self, that Christ would redeem us and work through our brokenness brokenness of the world through the cross and redeem us and that our glory then is christ our glory is christ on the cross and to be uh, shown in that way to be more valuable to me more um um, to have more beauty than we had before is such a beautiful way of displaying that just through the simple art of pottery repair that is fascinating very
1: powerful as I think, I know you wrote a, a, an additional book, *The Aroma of Beauty*, that talks some about how God does beautiful things through suffering. Tell us a little bit about that book and what led you to write, to write that one.
0: Yeah, so then the the broken leaf uh, <laughs> went so well that um, I went ahead and wrote *The Aroma of Beauty*. And after the 2011 earthquake, which was a terrible, terrible event, and just so many people. Died in that, and I knew I met a lot of people who had friends and relatives who had died. And there was a hopelessness that was pervading during that time, but there was also a hope. And I wanted to capture those stories of hope. I wanted to share this is what the Japanese pastors are talking about, this is how they see God working here in this context in this terrible time. So, again, Christianity is not this Western religion, and you know, this is. Um, and kind of having the Bible as something kind of um, separated I guess from our daily life and and tragedies of this event I want to show people here is how God is working through this time this is what the Japanese pastors are talking about this is what the Japanese community church is talking about of the ways that they have seen God work and are glorifying him and have hope in this terrible terrible situation and that book is written for adults, but you have a children's
1: book that's for children, but also has a very uh, sophisticated message in it Pippi, yeah. the Piano, and the Very Big Wave. That's right. Yeah. So, what's that about?
0: Yeah, actually, that's actually one of the cool stories of both books. It's in Aroma of Beauty, too, but I made a children's version so we could illustrate it and make it appropriate um, for families to be reading together. Um, it's a story about this church. That when their piano was destroyed by the tsunami, rather than throwing it out, putting it out on the street, like I saw a lot of pianos out there in the debris on the street, they decided to fix it. Now, what's strange about this is you really can't. I mean, water is terrible on pianos, Mm. trust me. (laughs) And so the fact that they would spend more money, you know, this costs more than buying a new one, that they would Mm. spend the money to fix it. And they kept the scars that were in this piano, fascinating and now they have this piano of hope concert series It's for their town so there are very few christians in their town but here's this church they have this concert series and every time they do a concert they're inviting people and say we decided to fix this piano because the bible says that god is redeeming this world and there's hope for us and we wanted to show that in this piano and so the joy that com- they're able to share this christian message in a way that is so beautiful. You know, every single concert they have that's open to the community. And so I kind of share that story in a, in a fun way in the children's book. And you have one more book soon to be released, and it's very tasty. That's right. A Taste of Grace. My next step was I wanted to show how the gospel can be worshipped and enjoyed and delighted in every single day. You can see God working even in the food you're eating every single day. And so kind of bringing that out through Japanese food, how do we see the gospel? And just helping transform the way that Japanese think about Christianity and think about the gospel is kind of the point of all of these books. Well, in a a very deep question,
1: uh, what's your favorite Japanese food that we wouldn't eat here in the United States
0: that you alluded to in that book? Oh, I have so many. That's really hard to, to talk about. I guess the the easiest one to talk about is sushi. I really do like sushi. It's kind of good on the stomach. You know, you don't feel bad after for all the fried food or something like that. And there's so much beauty. I talk about in the book about how they display sushi and the kind of the deeper meaning behind it and some of the history behind it that even bring out the gospel message even
1: clearer. And, and walk us through that if— part of the thinking there is to explain how the gospel isn't just on sundays but it's part of your everyday life how, how do you make the transition from here's this food that's part of our life and jesus is the bread of life or something how do you make the transition to show that
0: the gospel mm-hmm. is part of everyday life it's really meant to be a way to start conversations you know it's not it's not meant to be a replacement for the bible obviously it's a way to get people thinking about the christian faith in a different way and i there's question, uh, discussion questions at the end of each chapter in order to get people to talk about these things. And already in Japan, for my other books, I've been uh, meeting via Zoom during this COVID time. Yay, more Zoom meetings! <laughs> but it's been fun. I give a short kind of summary of the chapter, and then we'll discuss together some questions related to the book and just help people think through these things. And usually about half the people present aren't Christians. And so it's designed to draw them in and be like that's really interesting like it just makes it clear that Christianity isn't just some historical event it's not just a Western thing but kind of talking about in their own context and through it building deeper relationships between Christians and non-Christians and with the church
1: I know you have regular meetings, I don't know if they're monthly or every couple of weeks or something, where you have different artists gather and talk about their particular form of art, and then you use that to begin these gospel discussions. Tell us a little, a little bit about that and, and what mm-hmm. the thinking is behind that.
0: Yeah, that's been important for many reasons, but one of the, the fruits of it is artists in Japan usually are, if they're Christian, have to separate their faith and their art. They just don't see how the two come together because they've never met another person who's a Christian that does their art form, you know, so it's not, they don't have any model to follow. And so by inviting them to come and speak about these things, helps them think through it. Like there was one lady who uh, is a makeup artist. She prepares people for film shoots, for film, for weddings, things like that. So high uh, occasions. And we met three times before she spoke to help her think through what what how is faith related to what I do like what does the Bible say about makeup and you know and how does God beautify us in conversations like this and then I wrote tried writing down what she had said and showed it to her is this is this what you think she's like well I would change that and then you know, going back and forth, and that became one of the chapters in a book. And so helping her think through that process helped her think through her faith, but also is a way to do discipleship. You know, it was helping her take ownership of what it means to be a Christian in her craft, and then to be able to share that with others.
1: Last year during our unconference, because we couldn't have the same kind of gathering we normally do, we featured a video that was Abby and a group of musicians uh, that were leading a worship song that was recorded maybe in your apartment or uh, in a a home in -hmm. in Tokyo. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Who was that group and what kind of ministry do you and Abby have as far as leading worship and creating music
0: Yes, yeah, certainly the closest relationships we have in Japan are with members of the, the worship team. And they're not all Christians. Like my pastor Fukuda-san has made it clear, this, um, my Japanese pastor uh, has made it very clear that he wants this to be a way to reach out to the community. And so we've invited in people who, through playing together, are getting to know Christian community for the first time. And having these little projects, uh, for one thing, it's, uh, it's usually pieces that our church has written itself. Okay. And so we've wanted to have kind of a music video that shows people, here's what it sounds like so they can use it at their own churches. So that there's a, that practical aspect. So you're saying written yourself. So this is not some
1: Western song that's just simply been translated into Japanese.
0: Right, it's written by Japanese people. All right. So there's that. But then there is also the fact that the relationships built through doing these projects together was so cool how it built intimacy within us. And we've done some even some traveling together, different places playing, and that has built those connections even stronger. And we have seen a number of, people in our worship team become Christians in this way. Well, it's possible that some people
1: have their own preconceived notions of what missionaries do, like stand on the street corner and preach to people. Um, you're a musician, you're a preacher, you do all kind of traditional Christian mission things and innovative missionary things. What did you do last summer in, say, July?
0: I don't know. What did I do in July?
1: <laughs> what did you do in nature with one of your sons? <laughs>
0: oh, I could talk about that forever. But um, I love hiking. I just, uh, one of my- Did you hike for a day or two? We hiked for six weeks, uh, 443 miles on the Appalachian Trail. Uh, just New Hampshire, and Maine this time. Those of you who are- Did you stay in the Sheraton? Uh, um, no, always sleeping either in shelters or a tent. Um, actually, it wasn't even a tent. It was a tarp. There was no... Um, uh, you know, we have
1: a new REI here in Memphis. They sell tents, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they're heavier, you know, and not as flexible. You can kind of fit a tarp around trees in different ways. And, um, But yeah, I mean, those of you who uh, have been going to Second for a while know that when I left Second in 2002, that was... My lifelong dream was to hike across the country. I hiked from Mexico to Canada on the Pacific Crest Trail with Abby because we wanted to start having a family, and we were thinking toward then going to Japan after that. So we kind of fit this six-month hike. That was six months, um, 2,200 miles, basically. And, um, oh, it just—it was an amazing experience, and I can't wait to get back out there in the mountains.
1: And are your kids all saying, yeah, Dad, I want to do that with you?
0: No, but I'm still working on them. I mean, my two oldest boys came with us on this six-week trip, and they it was kind of my son's celebration that he graduated from high school and was going to college, and so spending that time together. Uh, but he wasn't interested in going all the way down to Georgia. We kept talking about it, but uh, maybe someday. All right. Someday.
1: So you're getting ready to go back, and in a few months, you'll head back to Japan. And it won't be all of you. How are we doing with uh,
0: leaving a son in college? Well, we'll have to see. You know, it's a transition. A lot of missionary families shared with us. It's hard for that first, for the oldest, to kind of get used to, to living away from the family. And what does it mean to live in this foreign country known as America? And um, he will definitely make it easier for his brothers because we're kind of hoping they're all going to go to college in the same city and they can encourage one another.
1: Well, as you prepare to go back in the next couple of months, what are the ways we could pray for you and for your family and for the ministry you've been involved in?
0: Well, COVID has really hit in Grace City hard, the church that we work with. I mean, as it has around the world. But we don't yet know how this is going to impact um, the future of the church. Uh, It's been a very stressful time. A lot of people have burned out who are in the volunteer team, especially for streaming worship, you know, the worship team, the the video, the audio, it's just been a lot of work with not a lot of ability to form community because of the restrictions, and we're still in lockdown in Japan. And so we're really hoping that this will lift as soon as possible, but not just that. I am praying that God is going to use this time, that people are craving community so much to really expand the church, that we'll see church growth like we've never seen before. And that really is possible.
1: Well, thanks so much for being with us. We look forward to having you with us at our conference in February. Looking forward to it. And I appreciate all your thoughts, and uh, we'll be praying for you in the interim. Thank
0: you, Dan. It's great to be here. Thanks, Roger.